2013 has been a huge year for Highland. Um, God has done so much among us. And I feel strongly compelled that at midnight on 2013, we need to be standing inside the place that God has positioned this little part of his church in Asheville. And we need to be lifting the name of Jesus high when the first breath, uh, breaths of 2014 come to us. I really encourage you to come. Come on New Year's Eve. We're going to go through five different expressions together. We're going to start by celebrating all that God has done in 2013. We're going to dance and have some wonderful food, and that part will feel like a party. And then we're going to move into um, the band Laughter. They're going to facilitate a time of just joy and expression and thanksgiving for all that has come. You're going to be given the opportunity to really be led in thankfulness. Then um, Jazzy On will come and, and remind us and share through his musical, The Power of the Gospel, and Alias International Dance Theater will premiere their very first work um, here among us. It's all on the gospel. And then Nate and Lambs Among Wolves will come and they will lead us through a time of intercession and praying our hearts for 2014, what we hope, what we desire. And then nearing midnight, all of the artists will reassemble on the stage with a reproduction of the Little Drummer Boy piece to bring us into midnight with courage. And many of you have asked me, what does moxie mean? It means courage. And why is it called moxie? Because our heart, my prayer, is that we enter into 2014 with a great sense of courage in who Jesus has, has, what he has given to us and what he has made us to be and who he has called us to be. I really encourage you all to come. A lot of you have asked me questions about Little Drummer Boy. And a lot of you don't know the story, and it's a story that's emerging among us. But all these artists are all from our body here at Highland, and they have all said that they want to share 20 to 30% of all their profits with the effort of the church and the city center. It's an incredibly missional endeavor that God is assembling among us, and I believe that there are great things to come for 2014. I really encourage you to come and be with us. And as Shannon said... Um, Today is all about giving full devotion to Jesus. And uh, since October at the Highland Retreat, these words started birthing in my heart, and I've been praying them for three months for this day, and uh, praying that Jesus will shake us. Like, we often drive on roads here in these mountain towns that have clearly been blown open. There used to be a mountain there, and dynamite and things came in and blew open this way and I believe that God wants to do that in our hearts Highland he wants to blow open new pathways for his kingdom he has much that he has called and entrusted us to do to all the churches in Asheville but today my heart and my prayers are for the the church I'm laying eyes on and so I just pray that at the, the final Sunday of this year, we will take that breath that invites the Holy Spirit to say what he wants to say today, and that we will not stiff arm him or give him a stiff neck. But we'll just say, speak, Lord. It's all about 
is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's not about me, as if you should do things my way. You alone are God, and I surrender to your ways. Jesus, lover of my soul, all-consuming fire is in your gaze. And Jesus, I want you to know I will follow you all my days. Because no one else in history is like you. History itself belongs to you. Alpha and Omega, you have loved me. And I will share eternity with you. It's all about you. I pray that you will help yourself to our hearts and to these words, and that you'll stretch out spaces and make us aware, highlight the spots in our hearts and minds where the dynamite is coming, where you're coming to blow open new, pa- new places, new pathways for your kingdom. And Lord Jesus, let us just say yes and amen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all manner of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a, st- a, a, a stand, whatever. Instead, they put it up on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. So be careful. Not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not be like the hypocrites, the Pharisees, for they love to announce on the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing on the street corners in the synagogues to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans who believe they'll be heard because of their many words because your father already knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you should pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and still. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eyes are good, the whole body will be filled with light. But if the eyes are bad, the whole body will be filled with darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Look at the lilies of the field. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor is clothed like one of these. If that is how God clothes of the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. And Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the rains fell and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. But it stood firm because it had its foundation on the rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains fell and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. You help me thank these students with me for me. So I've got this whiteboard tucked way back in here, but we do have a camera, so, you know. Ryan, you can do it, right? You can find me. So key word today is what? It's a test. The key word today is what? Devoted. And Jesus said something very powerful. He said, you will be devoted to one or you will, you will despise the other. Okay, so are these extreme words or moderate words? Talk back to me. They are extreme words. What does devoted mean? I looked it up. Here are some synonyms for you. Loyal, faithful, true, staunch, steadfast, constant, committed, dedicated, devout. What does despised mean? Detest, hate, loathe, abhor, dislike. And Jesus said, you cannot have two masters. You will either be devoted to one and despise the other, or love one, or hate the other. Does any, do any of you have this little, raise your hand and go, hey, isn't there like a middle thing? Isn't there like a tolerant clause? I don't really hate it. I don't abhor it. I don't loathe it. But Jesus, Son of God, Word became flesh, who created us and knows us better than we know ourselves, says, no, 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 there's only two choices here. You're either going to hate or you're going to love. You're either going to be devoted or you're going to despise. And there's something in our human flesh, especially our American human flesh, that wants to go, nuh-uh, that's not true. I don't hate God. I just don't always like him. Jesus' words are very challenging. You will be devoted to one or the other, and you will despise, loathe, and hate the one that you are not devoted to. I want to read you a story about a season in um, Scripture when there was a, a lot of devotion, a crazy amount of devotion. And we, we preach about it a lot when we preach about the church. It's in Acts chapter 2, and I'm just going to read little portions of it. But it says, uh, this is right after Jesus has gone to heaven, and the disciples and the followers of Christ are a little freaked out. They have... Uh, been decided they're going to stay together, but they're not real sure what to do. And this is a big day in their life. Uh, Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, and God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven were there. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they said, Are not these men uh, Galileans? Then how is it that we hear them in our own language? Then it skips down. It says that Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he preaches this very powerful sermon. And all the people gathered near. Um, it says in verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart which is a sample of what I was trying to tell you about a mountain blown open and a new pathway is made. They were cut to the heart. And they, they said, what, what should we do? What should we do? And Peter replied, repent, change your ways, alter your life. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he warned and pleaded them and those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Oh, the next two words are very important. The first two words of verse 42, they devoted themselves. You remember what the word devotion means? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. And they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I want to ask you some questions. I want you guys to help me uh, fill this in. I guess the first part of it's down on the screens for you. What were the four things that they were devoted to? The first one says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles teaching about? Jesus, the gospel, the story of God. They were devoted to the gospel. And here is my, my, my question or my first challenge. Are we devoted to Jesus' story? Or are we devoted to our story? Jesus said you're going to hate one and love the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. Are we devoted to the story of Jesus? They were. And then the second thing they were devoted to was the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship. What was the fellowship? Well, I tried to look it up in all these different commentaries, and it's simply this, corporate worship. Getting together with a bunch of other people in one place and worshiping Jesus. They were devoted to the practice of worship, which I believe they were devoted to the fame of Jesus. Or are we devoted to our name and our reputation? 
They were devoted to the breaking of bread, which we know to be communion. What is, what is a name for what, what, what people call the body of Christ? What is the human form of the body of Christ on the earth? The church. They were devoted to the body of Christ. Are we devoted to Jesus' body? Or are we devoted to our body? They were devoted to prayer, which means they were devoted to see what God could do. They were very interested in God's strength, not in the practice of their own. Jesus' strength versus my strength. So what are we devoted to? Are we devoted to Jesus' story, Jesus' fame, Jesus' body, and Jesus' strength? If we are, I think our lives are going to look different. Now I have another question for you. How often did they meet? I can't hear you. Every day? I don't know where every day, but I'm just going to go like this. Every day. And this is a bonus question. What, were the, what was their attitude about meeting every day? It says, it says what their attitude was. Can you remember? Glad and sincere hearts. They met every day and they were happy about it. It wasn't a, eh, Mom, I'm going to go to church again. We just were there yesterday. Doing it again? Okay, so here's my question. In 2013 in America, the church has been marginalized. So when... This is Jesus is the center. But in America, some th other things have taken center place, and the church has been pushed way out here to the edges. So I want to ask you, in this calendar week, where is it permissible and acceptable for people to think about doing something churchish? When? Sunday. All day Sunday? No. All day No, not Sunday, all day. When? For an hour, an hour and a half. 90 minutes? Is that, is that acceptable to us? Okay, so we are now right, right here, widow dot me. Not even the whole morning. My, my pen's dead. We get 90, 90 minutes right here. Any, any time else? Maybe. Oh, some, some, there's a little action going on here. Do you guys remember... Um, when I was in high school, sports teams in the public high school did not have games on Wednesday nights. That was commonly practiced. Isn't that weird? I know you teenagers can't even imagine that. Do you know why? The public schools would not put any games on Wednesday nights because the church was meeting. That's just 20 years. Okay, so let's just... Let me, let me just go here for just a second, if you guys can just take a breath. What if the church met every day? Let's just have an exercise. Let's just have an exercise. What if the church met every day? But I have a soccer game. But I have a thing. But I have a thing. But I have a thing. But I have things. I have, but I have things. 
What would the Acts church look like here? Isn't that an interesting question? How do you practice full devotion to Jesus 90 minutes on Sunday morning? How do you do it? Isn't it a lie? Honestly, honestly, aren't we lying? Please, let's be truthful. That is a lie. We have given Jesus a convenient 90 minutes. And God help him if he bothers me within that 90 minutes. If he gets up in my business, if he asks for something more than I feel comfortable giving him. Let's not lie to God. God, forgive us. Let's just say we are not devoted to you. Because we're not. We're devoted to other things. And friends, we don't like to hear it. It makes us mad, but it's the truth. And the best we could give God's the truth. Just give him the truth. So, here is my proposal for us to consider. If we're going to be devoted to Jesus, we're going to be devoted to his story. We're going to be devoted to learning his story, to knowing his story, to speaking his story. Our dear friend and brother Jazz is a beautiful picture of this. Does everybody know that Jesus is uh, Jazz's favorite thing? It's the truth. And I remember the night in my house when he got filled with the Holy Spirit and he was running up the steps just shouting, Miss Sherry, Miss Sherry, I love Jesus. I just love him. I got to go to the gym. I got to tell somebody. And it's true. It's true. He is so, it's it's there. He is very devoted to the story of Jesus. And you're not going to be around him long till you're going to know that. I think that's probably what some of those folks look like in Acts. Devoted to the story of Jesus. I believe, and I'm challenging us, if we're going to be devoted to Jesus, that we're going to be devoted to his fame and his renown. And I want to tell you, as a missionary to this city who did not grow up here, but God plucked me up out of wherever I was and brought Shannon and our family here, I believe that he spoke to my heart that Jesus is jealous for this city. He wants to be famous in Asheville. And this is what I mean by that. I think people might put, put letters and, 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 and articles in newspapers saying about something's happening in Asheville. You, you want to know Jesus? You got to go to Asheville. Because Jesus is famous in Asheville. Now, can I ask you this? I can't help it. Can, can I ask you this? Is Jesus famous in Asheville right now? No, what is Asheville famous for? All kinds of things that are not him. All kinds of things. Church, you are the light of the world. Shine. Let your light shine. Be devoted to the renown and the fame of Jesus. We can't fix this city There isn't a government on the earth that can, not a school system, not a police force. There isn't legislation. There isn't anything that can fix this city but Jesus. And if all I can do is live my whole life doing this, then that is what I will do. Don't look here. I tried to pick up this whole world and it crushed me. But all I can do is go, he can fix it. 
He's really big. Let's talk to him a lot. Let's pray and sing songs. He loves that so much. And he swells inside it. He gets really big and he does things. Let's have time for that. I propose that if you're going to be fully devoted to Jesus, swallow hard some of us. Hang on. Lord, help us be brave to hear these words. If you are going to be a Christ follower, fully devoted to Jesus, you will love the church. I can say that because I bear the scar tissue. I am a pastor's kid and a pastor's wife. All I have known is the church. And by the time 1999 came around, we did the What's Up America tour. I was so angry at what I had seen in the church. I was all done. I put myself on a seven-day fast because I hated the church for all that she had betrayed and done and her stubbornness and her rebellion and her stiff-neckedness and blah, 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 blah. And Jesus, in the midst of that fast, he met me with a beautiful vision. We've performed it here at Highland a few times. I'll give it to you sometime if you'd like to see it. But it was a beautiful vision of a dance between a beautiful bride who danced with a betrayer and Jesus wooing her back into himself. And in the midst of that dance, the Lord reminded me, Sherry, did you ever rebel against me? Yes. Yes, Lord, I did. Sherry, did you ever show me a stiff neck and a rebellious heart? Yes, Lord, I did. And how, how did I treat you? You just... You loved me. You forgave me. You got in the midst of my yuck. You held tight to me and you taught me to dance again. Then that is my call to you for the church. You get in the middle of that yuck. And you offer my kindness and my love in the same way I offered it to you. And you teach her to dance again. Teach her to dance with me. And that is my lifelong pursuit. There is nothing more powerful or beautiful on the earth than the bride of Christ. Jesus has taught me that. He has renewed my love for the bride. And it's you that I talk to today. When we assemble corporately, if you're going to follow Jesus and be fully devoted to him, you will love and be fully devoted to the church. She will be your high cause, your high purpose. You will care about her because Jesus cares about her. She isn't just a thing. It's not the YMCA. It's not a country club. It is the living, breathing body of Christ on the earth. We are his hands. We are his feet. His power, Christ's authority has been made perfect in us. Oh, don't you want to see us rise up? Isn't it beautiful? Don't you ache to see it? A lot of times when we're here in worship, you'll see me. I just look around, and I don't mean to make you uncomfortable, but let me tell you why. Because watching you sing is the best thing I saw all week. Watching you sing, hearing your voices, seeing your joy, it's the best sound on the whole earth. And I don't think that's just the way I feel. I think that's the way that God feels. I think he leans in, says, oh, sing that one again. 
There are some songs he loves and you can sense he loves it because he just swells inside it and we sing louder and we sing it again and we sing it again because his Holy Spirit is arousing us. Because this story we're swept up into is a romance. It is not like this. What? This. This is awful. Who wants this? Nobody wants this. And when church started to look like this, we went to football games so we could go like this. And we went to clubs where we could dance it out because church made us go like this. And I don't know why we started getting so void of passion, but I'll tell you why I think it is because we stopped being devoted. We stopped being devoted. This became a thing, a 90-minute thing. Not an expression of our love that became a have-to, not a get-to. And church, if we're going to be devoted to Jesus, things are going to look different. Who? And if we're going to be devoted to Jesus, we will become people who are marked by prayer. Band, you can come on up. We're about to walk into four weeks of calling this church to prayer. We, we have been on a beautiful journey with learning to pray here in this church and in this city. Many of you were here in 2007 when we did the experiment down at 34 South Lexington to see if we could sustain four hours of prayer a day for like 40 days. And we loved it so much, we got excited and we got to sp- take another month and another month and another month and we still have 34 South Lexington. Beautiful journey, but prayer among us, corporate prayer, has been a very ebb and flow journey. And in the midst of it, as someone devoted to the bride of Christ, it has broken my heart on many occasions, and I have come to God with, God, what? When will we want to pray like really thirsty to pray together because you're the only one who can bring change? And one day in the midst of it, I was standing at my counter making pizza or biscuits or something. I know I had my hands in the dough. And I was crying out to God and praying, and I really did believe that he spoke to my heart. And he said, Sherry, my friends will come. My friends will come. When it's not a get-to, I mean, excuse me, when it's not a have-to and it becomes a get-to, I can't wait! going to go meet with the church and I'm going to talk to Jesus. Best thing I did this whole week. Love it. It's on my calendar. It's on my calendar. It's right here. You see, mark this time out. That is my praying time. I can't, oh, it's awesome. It's an hour. I wait for every week. I can't wait. What if we started doing that every day? I don't know. Crazy. Crazy. That, I don't know. People might write a magazine about it. I don't know. Be crazy. Church started doing that, like praying a lot. And then the last thing I want to leave you with is this. How often did they meet? Every day. And do you remember the last part? It says God did something to them every day. He added to their number every day. Daily equals daily. Devotion, if it's real, it will be daily. I don't know what form or shape it's going to take, and I am not proposing a strategy. I am only saying, listen, church, let's be honest. Let's be honest, and let's God, let's let God agitate. This American form of, I don't even know what it is, but it isn't church. This little 90-minute, it better be good, give me coffee thing. 
is not acts. It is not a love affair. And I think Jesus wants a love affair. I know he does. And he wants it with you. So wherever the yeses need to be put, where there are currently no's, oh, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And so this is what I want to ask here as we move into our our time of worship and communion. I really want you to, as your Christian sister, if I may, I want to ask you, sober your hearts. Sober your hearts. He is fully devoted to you. Are we fully devoted to him? And I want to say this. If you're sitting inside a pile of reasons why you can't A, B, or C, I I would like to propose something. I, I don't want, I'm not talking right now about your need for therapy, your need for medicine. There is a time and a place for those things. I'm not talking about those things right now. But if you're sitting inside the list of reasons for all the why I can't, why I'm hurts, why I'm, 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 I'm exempt from this teaching, I would like to challenge you to one word, and that is to deal with your choice inside of this. Yep, lots of junk was probably done to you. Lots of bad things have been handed you. What are you going to do about it? What is your story? My proposal is if you will invite Jesus to blow up the mountains and let go of the things that you'll make way for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he will come into your heart and into your family and make new things, beautiful things, beautiful new story. So the big word that I'm getting up to is your choice means repent, repent. Don't blame it on anybody or anything or anyone, you and God in this moment. And the question is, is there something between you and him in your devotion? And if so, I am asking you today, inside of this this gathering of the believers, that we do business with God and we say, I'm sorry, forgive me strengthen me to learn how to walk in a new way and so to do that we're going to sing but I want to open it up to say if you need to repent get on your knees we don't do the old like altar experience very often here but I'm asking for one if you need to say I'm sorry repent let's do it let's step into the light let's not do it secret and hidey Let's say, God, no, it's me. It's me. Forgive me. And let's pray for each other. Let's pray for each other that we can be ready to walk into 2014 in step with the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm asking for on his behalf is a yes. Like, like God is down on one knee. You know how nervous a bridegroom gets, right? And he's just saying, I want you. Do you want me? Will you wear my name? Will you be fully devoted to me? Because I am going to be fully devoted to you. Lord Jesus, please strengthen us with courage. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to say what we need to. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you get what you're seeking today. You get the desire of your heart today.
you know in ways none of us can know all that you are seeking. But I pray that mountains will be made low and new pathways will be opened up for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that you will be famous in Asheville, famous in the hearts of those who attend this church. In Jesus' high name I pray.